Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? Here to see if he can survive another exploitation French extreme mashup. My name is Eric. I'm here with Michael Kessler. And today our movies are Daughter of the Sun and Shaitan, which is what Turkish for Satan. All of that is a hundred percent correct. Great. People are learning already. Shaitan, I think that's that's pretty close. It's. Um, Arabic, I think, is, okay. is what they say. It's not French. No. Although I don't think I'm going to get through this episode without at least feigning some French. I think it's sure. it's inescapable today, but we'll see. What are we doing? Uh, I already told you. Um, but I know, but deeply. Tell me. <laughs> deeply. Give me the today, whole backstory. Will, today rich is our, information. Today is our penultimate entry into our journey for this year. The look on your face, you're like, really? There's only one left after this? Only one. We've been doing this all year. We've been taking a look at the great expanse of exploitation cinema all the way back in the 1930s with marijuana when we paired that with Criminal Lovers, our first foray into French Extreme. Uh, and then on the other side of the pairs has been a long-running set of those French Extreme movies. And it's worth noting today... For everybody who's been along for the ride, hi, thank you. It's worth noting that uh, Shaitan is probably the, f it is the first movie in the entries on the French extreme side that feels like what the globe thinks of when they think of French extreme. Right. You, you kind of dove into this right at the end of the last episode in the journey when we did um, Mondo Kane and 29 Palms you talked about how sort of 29 Palms was released the same year as High Tension. This is me. I'm, I, this is me. This is my essay based on what you educated me on. <laughs> okay, great. So 29 Palms and High Tension came out the same year and High Tension reached sort of this global success. And then while it wasn't the film that inspired the term New French Extreme, it was the term that co-opted new French extremism and became synonymous with what that movement looked like internationally, which I think is perfect, by the way, for your, your picks for these new French extreme movies that we spent so much time in what I now know as actual French extremism. And now we have like, a sort of a second like, to yeah to be like and here's you know what you were thinking but but it's it's interesting to see Shaitan having done all the the homework if you will yeah yeah it's almost like the extreme part it's almost like I can see it as a movie movie and not as like a not yeah. as the schlock that they were lambasted for being well that was my hope is that we had this impression of what these movies were that turned out not to be correct. But I thought, you know, once we sort of realign with what was going on at the moment, how are these movies going to feel, right? Mm -hmm. Because I got into it in the first place because you introduced me to these movies and I loved them. 
And it's almost a little scary in a sense sometimes to sort of, you know, it's like falling in love with the director's movie and then seeing Richard Kelly's other films. Sorry, <laughs> what? I, I didn't. But you know what I'm saying, right? You, mm-hmm. you sort of like, I don't know, whatever, you get it. <laughs> well, look, I have, um, I have similar feelings about Daughter of the Sun in a way because we're seeing a filmmaker we've seen yeah. before and quite a few times and I have a affinity for and so to see that winding up on our journey i don't want to steal too much daughter of the sun because we'll be in it in a second here but uh i'm kind of curious to see you know yeah how that fits into what we're doing now because it it seems a little odd for some of these other movies and now you have Welcome to Double Feature, a deep dive into what we're talking about today. Daughter of the Sun will be first because that's how we started the Marijuana Criminal Lovers show. Highly, highly, highly recommend going back and digging up these shows. Um, It's definitely my favorite journey, I think, that we've done. It's the most informed and I feel like we actually came to it with enough of our own individual knowledge that we're actually bringing something to the table as opposed to sort of like figuring shit out. Stumbling blindly. Right. I, I still feel like I'm getting all the stuff I get from stumbling blindly, though. So that's yeah. not lost on me. Um, My own selfish needs are fulfilled as well. So that's nice. In the spirit of the journey, we're going to try to not spoil these because while these two films, I wouldn't say that they're as easy as some of the other ones, but they have very definitively easy places to find them. Um, Daughter of the Sun is like, you can literally just get it for free from something weird. Not for free. I shouldn't say for free. You have to buy it from something weird video, but then you can just download it and you have it forever. It's not a rental. You own it. Um, it, And then uh, Shaitan is on, there's a couple streaming. uh, It's on uh, what AMC, I think at the time. It used to be on AMC. It's on Shudder. It's on a, you could get it on iTunes right now. Like as of the time of this, it's all over the place. And I think it's grabbable. You know, part of that is also the movie was pretty successful. Yeah. It's in this time when people are really paying attention to these movies. So it's not just by, you know, art house standards. This is a, this is a movie that made its way out of France. Right. Um, so again, really happy with this journey. We got one more left. If you want to hear the journey come to its logical and full conclusion, that's patreon.com forward slash double feature. Go there. Tell us you love the show. Tell us you hate the show, but this is how we can improve it and, uh, give us like a few bucks and we'll be able to keep things like this cruising into your ear holes. I know you guys listen to this and you have feelings about these things. We're talking about a lot of different topics and we do that week to week, but especially on these shows, you know, we keep referring to it as a journey for a reason. Mm -hmm. We are going on this little adventure here. We've done this a handful of times. You might have questions. You certainly have ideas. I'm sure you've had different feelings about the films and the Patreon is the place to talk about that. So you can come on there, you can message us, let us know what you've been thinking about this stuff. Um, if you're curious where, where else to go, especially on, on the exploitation side of this, you know, I've been trying to hit a lot of these French extreme films as we talk about them. But man, each one of these shows has been like, here, here's a new type of exploitation film. Right. And one film from it. Okay, on to another type. So right. it's entire, uh, entire sort of sub-movements of film. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure people are curious, like, what the fuck else 
do you like? What would you recommend? Right. I might go on the Patreon and ask you that. I don't know. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash double feature. Come be part of this. Daughter of the Sun is, uh, it's Herschel Gordon Lewis. Anybody who's a fan of double feature or of movies before 1980 uh, loves Herschel Gordon Lewis. It's just a rule. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Once again, showing your Chicago roots here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's worth noting. So, as we've been doing these exploitation movies, I've been trying really hard and fortunate that we haven't done the ones that I'm looking at, but trying really hard to program the films that started these individual subgenres, right? Mm. And uh, with with Daughter of the Sun, it lands in one of my one at least one of the most fun names of exploitation subgenres, which is nudie cuties, which is the American version of the pink film, <laughs> and. Um, it's really cool as we were as we were programming these we actually had two choices which was super dope also because we basically got to choose whether we wanted to do Russ Meyer or Herschel Gordon Lewis yeah. which two names that you and I have a lot of love for and the Russ Meyer movie is called The Immoral Mr. T's these are the two movies that sort of kicked off the nudie cutie movement which this is programmed so late in um, in the journey for the same reason that Shaitan is programmed so late, which is that a lot of people look at exploitation and go, that's just tits for no reason. And honestly, it's not. There's like a whole bunch of things. There's a whole lot that goes into it. There's the whole why of exploitation. But to be honest, there is a part of exploitation that is in fact just tits for no reason. And that brings us to Daughter of the Sun. <laughs> Daughter yeah, these the are also a, sorry not to like. No, you're good. Well, you're good. Well, the other thing I was going to say is, um, I think we had so much trouble figuring out which of these to do because they're so infamous. I kept going back and forth between filmmakers because when I started getting into exploitation, these were the types of movies that showed up right away. They were at the top. Everybody's like, "Oh, you like exploitation? Check this out." And to this day are, you know, two that I hadn't seen yet. So for me, it was like, okay, well, we're going to do this on the show. You know, where do we want to go? So the thing about Daughter of the Sun, there's a, there's a main thing that I love, but I'm going to, I'm going to, before I get into it, I'm going to do you a great favor of loglining the movie because it's important. So Daughter of the Sun is the story of, it's a PTA conference, basically, where a bunch of parents are mad at, at, one, at their children's teacher because she's a nudist. And that makes her a bad person. But then, 12 Angry Men style, they realize that deep down she's nice and that it's okay that her boobs come out. And that's the story, that's the whole movie, that's the entire plot. And it's also maybe like 40% of the screen time. 60% of the screen time is extremely, extremely gratuitous, unnecessary, sometimes mostly without even narration, just shots of naked women doing mundane things. Here's why this is so fucking cool. So one of the things about Daughter of the Sun, Daughter of the Sun came out during the Hayes Code. So... Anybody who's not aware, the Hayes Code is the reason that like Alfred Hitchcock's like famous for toilets. There were like all these rules, these stupid rules about uh, cinematic decency in America. 
you know, you couldn't show any nudity. You couldn't show a toilet. It's why Lucy and Ricky slept in separate beds on I Love Lucy because you couldn't show two people in the same bed, all according to this Hayes Code. This came out during Hayes Code times. And if this were 1984 instead of when this came out, you could break the, think of the Hayes Code as the MPAA. Mm. that gives you your R rating. So if you wanted to do something that broke the MPAA's rules of no women can have an orgasm in cinema, you just get an NC-17 and your movie comes out on video and it's only available at video value and you have to rent it in that weird section behind the like saloon doors in the back corner of the rental store. Uh-huh. But as we've talked about over and over again, that's not the case with exploitation because all movies are move all movies are theater movies. All movies are theater movies. There are no video, you can't take anything home, you can't watch movies at home unless it's syndicated on television, and they're certainly not about to show movies that break the Hays code on TV. So how do you get around this? You want to show boobs, you want to put asses in seats, you want to sell tickets, you're a young gun director, you haven't done Blood Feast yet. How are you going to make a name for yourself? Well, in walks Herschel Gordon Lewis, and he's looking at the rules. And one of the rules are, similarly to Mondo Kane, which we covered last time, you can show nudity as long as it's for educational purposes. Interesting. So, Which means if you film at a nudist colony, you can frame that as educational. Yeah, right. And so much like El Mariachi, Herschel Gordon Lewis goes, well, I got a nudist colony. What's my plot? (laughs) So he essentially just goes and shoots all this B-roll at a nudist colony. I also love that it's teachers, by the way, because it gives it this additional air of education. Exactly. I don't know. Teachers are around. It's educational. It's so good. And then he takes a chapter from all the way back to the beginning of our journey takes a chapter from marijuana and starts he he takes the film takes the position of the puritanic panic of the nudity mm-hmm. the film positions <laughs> itself with the parents enraged at the nudity so that the audience can feel like well we're not here for sexual reasons right. we're here because we're abhorred at the idea of female breasts and so you sit down and you Basically, watch softcore porn. I mean, like, I, listen, we've we've done, you know, the gore porn and whatever. People, this is a movie that is it's greater than fifty percent arbitrary nudity, yeah, really. Yeah, and it's just this wonderful thing where Herschel Herschel Gordon Lewis and and Immoral Mr. T's used the same technique. I I do want to chalk that up. He also used the nudist colony uh, caveat. So they both had this idea. And it's just great that Herschel Gordon-Lewis goes, I'll just, you know, people want to see boobs and we can show it to them in this way. And and it's just like the most, it's one of the most like punk rock moments in cinema. It's one of the most like maliciously compliant, you know, because even Hitchcock does, uh, I'm just going to show a toilet and I'm Hitchcock, so fuck you, right? That was his thing in Psycho. Hitchcock puts a toilet on the screen. It's against the rules, but he's Hitchcock and it's psycho. And you're just going to have to give it a pass because we need to put this movie in the theaters. It's going to make money. That was Hitchcock's flex. HGL doesn't have that kind of clout. So his thing is malicious compliance. He goes, well, the rule is I have to show, it has to be educational. And he goes, watch how fucking educational these tits are about to be. (laughs) 
you just fucking watch. You're going right, to learn so right. much about these fucking nipples. Yeah, well, it has that bravado of his movies too. Right. <laughs> which is this sort of like, oh, you're not going to believe it when you see it. <laughs> and you see it and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess technically you did it, sure. But, you know, there's there's sort of this gap between the people going like, oh, I, you know, I just don't know how you'd make a movie like that at all. And he's like, not only will I make a movie, the best fucking movie you've ever seen. And you see, and you're like, yeah, I mean, this is good. Daughter of the yeah. Sun. <laughs> I mean, it is technically a movie, I suppose. So mm-hmm. you're fine. Check. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I still win. Yeah. And it's great because much like all of these other exploitation sort of kickoffs that we've seen, it's not parading around going, I'm the first black horror movie. Watch the parade to follow. Mm. It's literally going, I'm going to film a bunch of boobs so that I can make money and so that I can make Blood Feast. That's what it's doing. Then a bunch of people, at some, for some reason, much like we talked about with Mondo Kane and more so uh, Man from Deep River when we talked The Cannibal Show, when uh, we paired that with um, In My Skin, someone saw it and went, oh, this is a whole thing, isn't it? And then they made what people recognize as like the actual movies, right? Yeah. Man from Deep River, we talked about, is it a cannibal movie at all? I don't know, maybe. But then the people who, the people who saw it and made the next cannibal movie, that was fucking Cannibal Holocaust. And so it's just amazing that these whole subgenres are created out of the necessity to break the rules, the necessity to embrace this counterculture. And, you know, how do we give American, in this case, American audiences, how do we give American audiences something they haven't seen or can't see? How do we show people something that will just by the sheer content of its nature sell the tickets? Because we're not going to be, there's not, you're not going to see trailers for Daughter of the Sun. Yeah. In the same way that you would see fucking Oklahoma. I also think that there's something that uh, maybe I'm too deep in the exploitation rabbit hole here, but tell me what you think about this. There are these documentaries. I'm trying to think of a good example, but they kind of just show. Through the ultimate idea of, you know, don't taint the subject matter, simply simply expose people to it. Frederick Wiseman is known for these. He did, uh, okay, so example is like, and, and actually there's a bunch of these, the Central Park one, right? He does a three-hour fucking documentary on Central Park wherein you kind of just like hang out in Central Park and just look at what's going on. You just watch these people do yoga over here for a while. These kids like play a sport. Mm-hmm. You know, the camera moves and it goes to different places as if it's like sort of the establishing shot. And then some voiceover comes in and tells you, but you just sit there instead. So for three hours, you're just exposing yourself to what it would be like to sit in Central Park and, you know, be able to just teleport from place to place and just fly on the wall. And, I mean, there's one about the welfare office. There's why you'll usually look these up. But I was reminded of that a lot watching this movie because those are, I mean, that is some highfalutin art documentary. Mm-hmm. And this is an exploitation film. Mm-hmm. But the amount of Venn diagram overlap there right. <laughs> is pretty incredible, right? Because it's basically just like there's actually more work being done here. 
You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, we have a shorter amount of time to tell people about this and we are going to have a whole group, like a focus group, basically sit down and talk through the issues at hand and decide how they feel. Right. This is a movie that as far as our journey goes, it's the first time that I feel like, like a movie is so, you know, exploitative that it's actually unexploited itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's gone through and, and gone, okay, well, we're going to, what I'm promising you is that you're going to see some nudity. And then we're showing up to watch an exploitation film and going, well, you say that, but it'll probably be like a small amount of nudity and some filler. And then it's like, no, it's going to be a lot of nudity. And then some people discussing it as if it has thematic weight and relevance to, you know, like we are really showing up and doing filmmaking here. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that's also just like sort of the cherry on top with how funny and how smart they were able to utilize this is that on top of promising nudity and delivering a film that's 60% nudity, it is like the least sexy movie. There's, it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah. not hot well, at yeah, all. Yeah. It is a nudist colony just doing yeah. nudist colony stuff. You would really have to be like a horny 14-year-old to to get any arousal out of this. It's it's just like women just like naked playing tennis. It's like not hot. It's, you know, there's, um there's I, I don't remember. It's some Larry David thing. I don't remember which one. But it's it's about, you know, how there's like hot nudity and then like not hot nudity. You can, you know, like if somebody's doing push-ups, like that's not hot, whether or not if you're naked, it's just not a hot well, thing. That's a to see. Seinfeld uh, bit okay. too, right? Like yeah. the well, that's opening Larry David. A can I didn't of remember beans. which one it is. Yeah. Like there are yeah. activities you don't do naked. I yeah. mean it's probably a separate bit, but yeah. It's just great to watch a whole movie of like, yeah, we promised you tits and we're delivering way more than you expected, and you're still not turned on. I have a call to action on this movie, if you don't mind. Please. So, you know, I saw the movie, and as you know, I go on Letterboxd, I log that I saw the movie. And uh, there are 33 people who have seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, Podmanity, get in there. We can double even (laughs) that that number. Seriously, go on Letterboxd, look up Daughter of the Sun, and, you know, just write about um, how fun it was to be on Mars for an hour or whatever's going on. <laughs> Actually, I think that's one of the, the three comments that's on there. If you've ever felt like, you know, maybe you're really into film criticism and you you felt like, man, my work doesn't get enough views, you will be spotlighted as, you know, only person to ever write a long form essay about Daughter of the Sun. So <laughs> have at it. Shaitan. Shaitan. First of all, is everyone keeping track of our two characters on a bike in these movies? Because I don't want to lose. <laughs> After I said that, you noticed, right? It's like every fucking yep. one. I think we're like, we got at least four in here, I'm sure. Yep. So this is my favorite Christmas French Extreme movie. It's a good one. You know? Very good. Because P2 is in English, so that doesn't count. Right. Sure. But uh, yeah, we've been we've been doing this and we talked about 29 Palms and, and High Tension was right in there. And uh, Catherine Briott since then had her second entry in this, this group. So, you know, we skipped over Anatomy of Hell, but that's going on at the same time. And uh, let's see, I meant, said I'd mentioned some of these. Well, there's like Mamere, 
which is uh, an Isabel Hoover movie. Calvera, we had talked about before. You can find that episode on the Patreon. But I looked that up. That was since the last time we had one of these episodes, and that was a co-production, but it was a Belgian film, but it is in French. Okay. So it ends up being a co-production. I forget the, um, the third country, but it's, um, it's Belgium and France. And then we get into this end stretch of these movies and we start to see, you know, these horror movies. And I want to talk to you about getting back in this pocket a little bit here, but I'm starting to realize as we get towards the end here, we're answering some of the questions and yet there's still a host of kind of weird French ideas or things that we haven't solved 100% of the mysteries yet. So I thought this would also be a good excuse to talk about Shaitan and discuss a couple of the concepts we haven't really covered. Mm -hmm. France is known for a lot of these movements, and we've kind of talked about how French extreme isn't even really a, a movement you know, new wave came out of um, France. Mm-hmm. And then there's also, I can't remember if I mentioned it when we did the uh, Leo's movie, um, Pola X. Yeah. But, you know, that cinema de look, I think you and I have at least talked about that off air. Mm-hmm. But he kind of gets um, bunched in with Luc Besson and some of these other very stylish filmmakers making a little, little more slick uh, films. Mm-hmm. But there's this other thing that's very common, especially throughout the French extreme movies. So this is a Kim Champelon movie. That's the best you're going to get out of me. So you got to take it. And he is given this, uh, this label and a lot of these filmmakers are, oh fuck, actually this will be another one of Enfant Terrible, uh-huh. which, you know... I know if, that one. Yeah, so That's if you, a phrase I know. Yeah, you want to pound this into your keyboard, it's, you know, Infant Terrible. There, there it's, mm-hmm. That's how a show like Double Feature should fucking pronounce this. But, right. you know, you're always caught in the, like, Enfant Terrible. So this is, you know, this is one of the, the really interesting, artful pieces of language that comes out of... So much of the stuff we just casually use now, we talk about um, auteur cinema and what have you. And a, a lot of these, these terms, even filmmaking terms that we casually use come out of French. But this is a, a phrase that really, just, we just don't have anything like this in English and I really like it. So, you know, people will use this to describe the kind of like provocative auteur. Somebody who... Um, I don't know, might be, you know, like we think of, uh, well, it's another French extreme episode. We must tag Gaspar Noé. <laughs> but, you know, we think of his films and we kind of, or sure. or even somebody more, you know, uh, Dogma 95, Lars von Trier, you know, somebody who like makes a bad Nazi joke, pisses off everybody at a film fest, like that sort of thing. These, they're not, I mean, maybe Lars is a bad example, but it's not... I'm not going for like problematic director so much as Gasper was a much better example. It's it's literally like yeah. somebody who is provocative, somebody who offends. And so they're used to just to to talk about those people. But the place where I don't see that phrase in English is the sort of like kids say the darndest things of it. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so you know when um imagine you have a bunch of adults in a room, older people. 
they're acting very proper and having a polite conversation. And a kid comes in the room and they accidentally call out something about it that you're not sure. supposed to say in public. Right. And I always felt like, like Enfant Terrible is like the person who sort of says something that cuts through the noise that we're all like, I don't know if it's necessarily we're all thinking it, no one's saying it, but it's just sort of like, oh, fuck, man, you can't just say that. You know, like that'll hurt everybody's feelings. Mm -hmm. And all of these movies kind of have that in common. It's not just talking about taboos, but it's literally going, oh, here's this thing no one ever addresses. I'm just gonna, Mm -hmm. you know, or Mm -hmm. hey, you're talking to these people right now. Right. Every time they leave, you complain about how you're stuck talking, you know, like that sort of. Right. I think I always think of it. I always in my when I have conversations about this because I get accused of this a lot. Um, <laughs> you, you do do this, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on our show. Uh, yeah, I I refer to it as talking over my breath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Okay, we do have an English phrase for it. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know there's the there's the common phrase talking under your breath where you sort of say something aside sort of snide that's like only for the people within direct earshot of you Mm. but talking over your breath is saying the exact comment that should only be to like your immediate close people but at full volume so that everybody in the room can hear yeah and yeah i i totally i i agree i think that that's a lot of what these movies are doing and i think that it's one of the things that the whole movement has in common with daughter of the sun mm-hmm. which is to be like fuck you can we just see some titties <laughs> and, you know <laughs> right. um uh, i do need to go on record though and say that this is my second favorite uh christmas new french extreme movie because i will always pick inside over everything oh damn i fucking forgot about that <laughs> yeah but inside comes later so at least in the chronology oh, yeah, or not yeah yeah yeah. well by yeah. much later you mean 45 minutes later because Dude, that's much later this in the is movement once again the, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny okay so you know we also have vincent cassell in this film who we just do, like which fucking is this is the first fills the you i know, mean it's also to me, you know, you you were talking last time about um, high tension being like the international ringer that brought French extreme to the masses, and then it's crazy having gone through this whole um, this whole arc of French extreme movies, and then it's a Vincent Cassel who's maybe still not the international name that I would say is like crazy famous. Everybody knows this guy. But like, at least to the point where like, if you read the back of the DVD case of Shaitan, it would say Vincent Cassell parentheses Oceans 12, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he's, <laughs> been, the, he's been in a number of these, but we've seen them all on the show already. Right, exactly. You know, this is all, yeah, it's Vincent Cassell, Monica Belushi. That's irreversible, man, you know? Right. But I would say don't bother reading the back of the... The fucking uh, DVD. I will logline this for you. Don't read about it online. The online representation of this film is such garbage. To this day, I mean, I, don't... I would argue, I would argue that the cover does not do justice <laughs> to this movie. So funny, this cover. Mm. People can't agree about what literally transpires in the movie, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's a like a translation issue or what. The way. It's like, who's Vincent Cassell's character? Is that his sister or his wife or both? And is that implied or confirmed? And then like, 
where does Satan come into this movie and what's the religious perspective? Right. So I'm going to give you a bit of an extended log line and I'm going to hit the top really heavy so I don't, one, I don't spoil anything. But two, I think that's where the meat of this movie is and that makes our interpretation different than if we would have seen it this time last year even. So we have a group of kids who are kind of fucked here. Mm -hmm. They go to a club and, you know, they're partying at the club. They listen to Shaitan, which is apparently the fucking band or a rap It's the Lords of Salem. A, yeah, it's the Lords of Salem. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, they're drunk and they're kind of fucks, especially our, uh, our lead character, this, this guy who, well, no need to spoil it, but gets in a fight, you know, is hitting on this girl. It's just generally like kind of a gross dude and gets punched, and he goes outside. So the girl eventually says, hey, why don't we all go to my, my house in the countryside? But not before they rob a fucking convenience store. They're speeding. They're speeding in a getaway, like the guy from the seven of the French 7-Eleven is going to hop in his uh, Formula 51 car and take off after him. Like, nobody's fucking coming for these guys. But they're still driving like maniacs, acting like maniacs. They are out of control. Some out of control youths, Michael. Mm -hmm. And now they're off to the countryside. And when they get to the countryside, that's really when the, the, the plot kicks in. You know, they meet Vincent Cassell's character and stuff is weird. <laughs> and that's, you know, the, the horror premise of this. Well, yeah, I mean, having seen, it's, it's, you want to know, this happens every now and again on Double Feature, uh, probably more often than not because of, you know, it, we've been doing this for 14 years, half my fucking life. And uh, at a certain point, we've just seen every movie. This is one of the movies where I got maybe 20 minutes in and went, okay, hold on, am I watching the wrong movie? <laughs> You why know? is that? Why is that? Because it wasn't it because it, it honestly I knew four things about this movie. I knew new French extreme <laughs> Vincent Cassell. Those are the four yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And by 20 minutes in it is only French. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well what's um I do think there's a new element to it because it's also very modern in a weird way, right? We're seeing like life on the street. So it's not new to us, but it's new like when the movie's coming out. I think this is like people of the day, right? Mm -hmm. And not, it's not like a period piece or whatever. No, yeah, but I just mean it, you know, that's one of the other things that we talk quite often about with these movies is that they don't feel contemporary. They feel oh, sure. much older than they are. Yeah, well, because especially of a lot by the of times time how they the, were shot and yeah. and the the just the the means of the production Karl Marx notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah, well, since we've come pretty far in this, I want to check temperature here. So can I ask you a couple questions and we'll just kind of get a... Please. So I think we're hitting some familiar territory. We're going off to the country. So what do you think we're doing here? What do you mean, what do I think we're doing? We're well, like, what? so let's get into some of the thematic meat of, okay. of the movie. So we've kind of outlined the plot, but it's like city kids, they go to the country, terror mm -hmm. ensues. Sure. Like, what are we chewing on? I mean, we're, we're chewing on the same thing that America's been chewing on for five years. Is it scary when you're out in 
the human wilderness. You know, God, I was hoping you wouldn't overthink it. <laughs> all of your, yeah. all of your, all of your creature comforts have left you. And is it scary when you don't have, when your cell phone doesn't have service? Everything becomes scarier when you know you can't, you know, when no one can hear you scream. Let's put it that way. And I pick up on this one. I mean, countryside life in France is also like a, sort of a, a unique part of. It's very romantic. And very romantic part of that. But, you know, like we were seeing this in High Tension too. If you remember High Tension, it's also, mm-hmm. it's almost like an escape from the country to the city or something like that. So we're playing around with that. And then, you know, I also think we have this religious element that's in there, mm-hmm. which is basically like, hey, religion, it's not great. And then also something about Satan. I don't know, but like religion, probably not a good idea. Right. So if you look at this and then you look at even some of the American horror films, like what's the inspiration here? What does this remind you of that we have in America before the American Yeah, before the gap. Well, before even the 2000 movies came out. Uh, I mean, honestly, Jason. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a bunch of kids who are all away at camp, you know, all all the adults and authority figures are gone and suddenly there's a force in Jason's case much bigger, in this case slightly bigger than them that just <laughs> has the upper hand by being of that earth. Right. And in this case more wild thornberries. Than, right, uh, perhaps extremely the, wild thornberries. Yeah, the fucking smiley wild thornberries. I yeah. can't. I really can't hit enough how much Vincent Cassell is just like shows up, and you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa. Mm-hmm. In both roles, by the way, in the woman's role mm-hmm. too, which is also just fucking bizarre. Yeah, I see like a lot of Texas Chainsaw Two kind of stuff. Yep, where it's like brutal, but it's also in a weird way kind of wacky. You know, we're getting our our fucking extreme credits. You know, it literally looks like something that came out of, um, I don't know, who was doing the extreme releases back then. It's like Lionsgate or somebody doing these like... Isn't it Dimension? Oh, Dimension Extreme. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, it's like basically stole their corporate branding to to do the credits of this. But I think the other thing that I'm seeing here that I feel like oh, we haven't really talked about this, is there's a certain unwatchability that I really think is key to these movies. And because I've been so excited to see them for this, and then we get excited talking about them, and we're watching them next to these exploitation films, which are sometimes gross, but usually like fun for the same reasons, I have definitely haven't been hitting just to a normal person how sort of um, how much the movie kind of probably turns you off. Mm-hmm. It's not just that it's repulsive, but that it literally repels. It's trying to push the audience out and just make the experience of watching it difficult. It's doing like the the things we were seeing in horror movies at the time, which is rub your face in the gag and then just right. stay there too fucking long. We see gore shots and or the rat or whatever and it just goes on. Yeah, and it's um, you know, you we were talking about um people who push buttons and, you know, nobody likes to talk about them, so you know, here I go over my breath. But like Tom 6 is very much that person. Mm-hmm. Uh nobody likes to talk about him because like 
human centipede director Tom Six. Yeah, but it's kind of crazy because like he is not he's empirically not a fuck. Like nothing has come out that makes him a fuck aside from the fact that he's like just kind of not a I don't know, there's like something not nice about him. Mm. He's like very unapologetically this type of person. But the only reason I bring this up is because Dieter Laser's character in Human Centipede 3, I thought that was like, holy shit, I've never seen this before. Every time he's on the screen, I'm just uncomfortable. And I'm like, is this a performance? Do you know what you're doing? (laughs) And now I'm wondering how much of it was a study of Vincent Cassell and Shades One because it's the same thing. He shows up on the screen just, and and I mean, like, you want to talk about performance, man, like the way he walks that choice. Uh huh. Like, Uh fuck, dude. It's just immediately, I'm like, dude, do you even know where you, what, like, do you know what movie you're in? And like at first I have like a bone to pick with it from like this meta, like, <laughs> yo, have you been watching the other 20 minutes? Because you can't walk like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the character unfolds and the, and the role unfolds and the story unfolds. And then I'm like, I'm back in. I'm no longer turned off by the performance in the context of the film. I'm just, he makes me uncomfortable 100% of the time. And every time, you know, it's, it's, it's like stepping on a nail, right? You step on a nail and you go, that makes me very uncomfortable. I do not like that. But unlike a lot of uncomfortable things, you never get used to stepping on a nail. Yeah. It's yeah, never yeah. like, ah, oh, I step on nails all the time. Another That's how it feels watching Vincent Cassell in this movie. A new scene, another nail. There is something, if I'm being totally honest about this, that the movie reads to me somewhere between, you know, incompetent teenage slasher film and masterful theater of discomfort. And I think not knowing exactly what you're watching and the, honestly, like the competency level of it, because it will relax into this sort of, you might even say lazy, standard fare, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, kind of hunting down the kids horror movie you mentioned jason stuff mm-hmm. like the parts of jason that were like muddling along in the middle of the franchise were like it's fun we sure. like it but we're just sort of going like this is what you get when f- five people show up to play teens and th- mm-hmm. it's their only acting role and this is just sort of what it feels like it's definitely a mood for a movie but it could challenge your uh I think people could go to it and watch it and go, what the fuck is this movie? And then you, I don't know, there are those other moments where you have the amped up, extreme, repulsive, gross, abhorrent moments in the film. And, you know, it's the composition, it's the sound, it's how long it hangs Man, stuff like that moment, they're at the hot spring. Mm-hmm. And like just the idea of like, let's go to a hot spring seems like dumb horror movie, just thing to go do. Oh, what are we going to do? Fuck around at the hot spring. But then they start playing that, whatever the, what's the name of the fucking like weird chicken thing they do with the person on top of the. It's called chicken. Is it? Because they're not real. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I guess that's all. It's called water chicken. What's a water well, oh, chicken oh, called? Oh, good. Water chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken terrible. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Po- Poyo, what is chicken? Uh, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I don't know where I am anymore. Why Why can't I stick French after so many years, but like one week of Spanish in high school and it just never leaves. Oh, that's amazing. But then they get to the scene where all the 
the local country boy guys are fucking with the girl and it makes the rest of the group so uncomfortable. And right at the moment where it seems like, oh my God, we got to intervene there. What are they going to do to this girl? You know, imaginations are going wild with what sort of nightmarish fucking thing might happen if they don't step in. And then she starts laughing. And it's just like that little twist on that. It's such a, it says so much about that kind of situation and this kind of movie where is this a horror scenario or am I just in the countryside? Right. Are these people Satanists or do I just not understand their ways because I'm of a different, you know? So that's the kind of stuff that gives me the push and pull that so many of these movies do as well, where you're sort of like, wait, am I watching like something awful or is this like brilliant outsider art or is this doing exactly what it thinks it's doing? And of course, you know, the aesthetics play into that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to key up one other bit of this, which is to go back to where we were in our extended log line and all the stuff we were dealing with. Because I think the final big piece of this that I said before, I don't know if we would ever really solve it or certainly on this journey. But the big lingering question for me continues to be, you know, the like, what's in the air in France from 98 to 2008? Mm -hmm. Like, what what the fuck was going on there? And now I think we're starting to actually answer part of that question. Right. Because we have this introduction that feels a little bit strange to me but i do recognize which is kids being violent and kind of getting you know almost like a taste of their own medicine going out to the countryside you know we flip from feeling like our protagonists are sort of fucks to going it's it's another great unique thing about this movie which is like we hate this fucking guy And then he gets there. And there's definitely a moment I have where I look at all the people around him and go, oh, everybody else is such a degree worse that I'm now like rooting for this guy to get out of this situation, which is just awful. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're talking about kids in the streets in France and there was something going on with this concern that we've also talked about in a lot of British films, the like Harry Brown What's going on? I right? was going to just the, say like, Harry what's Brown. going on with youth <laughs> gangs and the, whether it's deserved or not, or, you know, media hype. The like kids are going to parties and doing drugs and fucking around and stealing stuff and the streets aren't safe anymore because of all these rebellious youths. And I think this movie is at the very least a cultural document of that time and those concerns, you know, if not really speaking to that. You know, reminds me of the the movies here we had when we were talking about like Harmony Korean movies or Larry Clark mm-hmm. when we're doing kids and we're spending time, you know, with all these people that maybe we don't have in our own lives, seeing like what are their lives really like and, you know, these horror stories of, oh my God, like this is not only our kids uh, so mature for their age, but they're already in the like deep levels of, I don't know what the panic was, you know, sin or crime or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like that's a shock movie. It's a movie people watch and go, oh my God, I can't believe these kids are fucking running around and doing this stuff. I can't believe they lived this life. And I think we also see this, 
you know, we haven't done Lahaine on the show. It's another Vincent Cassell movie, but that's another kind of crime in the street. But even Base Moi was a bit of that. Irreversible mm-hmm. is kind of some of that. It's like younger people fucking around, messing stuff up. And I think there is uh, an element of this that is younger kids fucking around. It is eventually riots. You know, we won't cover frontiers in this run. Maybe we'll do it some other year. But that's it's got the riots mm-hmm. right in it and Sarkozy. And that's like part of the the story. And we've seen that in some of the other French extreme movies too. So there is an anger, specifically uh, younger people. And there are these other movies I know that are popping up at the time. Nocturna, I think that was another one we, um, we talked about. Mm-hmm. It's, you know a bunch of like 15 year old terrorists or whatever the fuck it is in that movie. And at the very least cinema becomes concerned with this and feels like it's portraying a reality that people aren't talking about. I think that's part of the, the enfant terrible. And this is the, uh, mm-hmm. my pronunciation gets worse every time, <laughs> but you know, the like the sort of uh, not even just the kid that says the thing, but the, the thing that this director is saying is, Look what's going on with the youth. The youth. <laughs> yeah. Right. And also religion. Kids these days. <laughs> and also like, you know, it's also like kind of a, it's an anti-Christian film in a way too. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you know, you could read it in a couple of different ways, but it might even be the like, people aren't talking about what's going on with the youth. But then additionally, like the youth is bad, but like there's some fucking people out in the country with some pretty backwards ways of thinking of things. And I don't know, I saw it this time and I kind of read it a little more as like, it's the complacent people out in the fucking country who believe really, really old stuff, right? really messed up stuff. And we're not even addressing that. We're talking about all these kids, like those people's problems will look like satanic baby doll summoning incantation whatever the fuck compared to just like some kids robbing a store mm-hmm. so food for thought we got one more of these left so i know i'm we'll sad get to, to see it, it go I'm i know but i know but i did leave enough i know you certainly have with exploitation and I've left <laughs> enough open with french extreme that there'll be plenty more avenues on this until then we have a website that's doublefeature.fm the Patreon exists at patreon.com forward slash double feature. Once again, if you want to hear the exciting conclusion to this journey, head over to the Patreon, show us some love, pick a movie, pick a movie you want us to do. If you're, you know, if you got, if, if you want to see frontiers on the show, tell Eric to put frontiers on the show. Uh, Cause Lord knows I won't let him do it. So uh. <laughs> yeah, but well, like I said, by the end of this, I warmed to the last 12 minutes of high tension. Anything's possible. At yeah, that point. When, <laughs> once you cross that line, anything is possible. It's true. Yeah. Big thanks to Charles Crawford, Ben Ecker, Brad Parker, and Joachim Vernon for uh, letting us do this, for being on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash double feature. So next time on Double Feature, we're going to masquerade as things we aren't and somehow fall backwards into success. So we're going to do the Ernst Lubitsch film uh, To Be or Not To Be from like the, the 40s and uh, 42, I think, right? 
1942, which is unbelievable yeah. when you see it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's it's important to know the date of that movie. And then, um, and then we're going to pair it with a movie called Rango, which is uh, a movie about a lizard um, in the desert. Also I unbelievable. Mean, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, it's a very, very. Please watch these movies. Come back next week. Uh, you're gonna love it. Watch more fucking film. All right. Bye.